Does anyone else need a cocktail? I am on the inside like, oh my god. And you are, you are just an A-plus host. <laughs> I tell people. It was something like mother of alcohol, breaker of hearts. <laughs> I only drink hard alcohol when I have time to contemplate my entire existence, you know? Hello, 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 all of my children listeners of this podcast. Welcome back another episode of Cocktails and Contemplation. As always, I am your host, Steph, and I'm elated to be back after my short hiatus through the summer with a very special guest and my longtime friend, Sydney Urbanak. Hi. I'm <laughs> so, I last I'm name, so right? excited to be here. Yeah, Urbanak. I am very excited to be here to contemplate with you. We love and a cocktail. Don't worry. We got both. Oh, of course. Yeah. We never <laughs> contemplate without a cocktail. Uh, so Sydney here, <laughs> she is what I would call a full package media writer. She is a freelance writer known as like, uh, I believe you call yourself a film and culture critic who covers music videos, movies. You may also know her as the founder slash editor in chief of the online magazine called Real Honey, which is R-E-E-L, Real Honey, uh, which was a project that was born out of the intent of providing space for aspiring writers to grow. So she's basically this talented creative guru who loves mojitos, and I'm so thrilled to have her on the podcast. And guess what else we have? Mojitos. That was a mouthful. Cheers. That was a great intro. I have a tendency to ramble in the intro because I get really excited. So I'm like, what else do I want to say? <laughs> so do you want to give yourself a little bit of an introduction and preface this episode? Sure. I mean, wow, that's such a that's such a flattering way of putting it. Um, you covered, you know, most of, most of things. I, yeah, I'm like, another way of putting it is I'm a film critic who spends most of the time writing about music videos, just so that I have options of things that I know how to write about. Um, I did a master's degree that was a year long in cinema studies, but where I was really looking almost exclusively at music video stuff. Um, there's a few artists in particular that I kind of am known for writing about, I guess. And so that that brings me a lot of my work. You know, the onset of the pandemic because it's easy to do from home. And yeah, I graduated into the pandemic. So that's sort of what I'm up to now. Amazing. Wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. I haven't even addressed the cocktail. <laughs> Sydney and I discussed it and we decided to have mojitos today. So Fitch and Leeds and our lovely friend Mike over there sent us cocktail kits and he sent me the most beautiful springs of mint. So this this cocktail mojito, I like added it on top for no other reason than I just thought it would be beautiful. And I'm staring at it and it looks amazing. So in this cocktail, we have rum, obviously. Also, I should have told you this before. Sometimes the recipe they send out are quite strong. So I often like do one shot and then I add a second because sometimes it calls for two. And I, afterwards, I'm like, wow, I've had a stiff cocktail for that interview. That's okay. I can, I can take it. <laughs> we love to hear that on this show. So it's got rum and then lime juice. <coughs> As well as I juiced a whole lime because I'm kind of sour like that. And then it has some sugar as well as soda water, ice, obviously, because pretty much every cocktail has ice. And I did a mix between the tonic and soda water because I actually didn't put sugar in mine. And then fresh mint. So the mint is actually really important to metal because that's how you get like the oils to come out of it. 
Um, and then you added a little spring on top and a straw in it. And it looks so cute and yummy. How is yours? It's great. I love like any mint based cocktail. It's the best. I love mint. Um, I, I love like throwing mint on, you know, everything food wise um, as well. Like there's this like avocado toast that I'm always throwing mint on top of. Avocado like, toast strawberries. on mint? I haven't made that in a while. Oh, I've heard of like strawberries Yeah, like a little and tiny bit of mint. Yeah. I've heard of that. That's a thing. Yeah. I try to switch it up. I try to get creative with my, with my toasts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Honestly, avocado toast is also such an avenue for creativity. You can make like spicy avocado toast or sweet avocado toast, cilantro-y, limey. It's true. It's true. I've put honey and I put chili flakes on my avocado toast. Is the options are limitless, but I've never done mint. So I have a ton in my fridge now from this cocktail. Thank you, Mike. Well, I will send you a recipe for something that you should probably make in that case. Honestly, please do. I love recipes. I, I didn't realize this my, before, but through the pandemic, I've learned that I actually love to cook and like be creative in the kitchen. I like it's kind of cathartic for me. I used to hate it for some reason. It's true. I've been trying to like... I could be doing way better at it, but I've been trying to like, you know, put an album on and like not have my phone with me and use like a physical cookbook and get into it. But um, yeah, I have a long, long way to go in terms of being actually like self-sustaining, helpful chef, I would say. I, do, I have a love-hate relationship with cookbooks because I find them a little bit confining. Like I... I feel like, I don't know, it's, I think they're great for ideas, but then I'm like, what if I want more garlic than that? Or like, what if I actually don't want to put in cilantro? I want to put parsley. I don't know. I'm just a weirdo and I never like to follow the rules. So that's probably <laughs> why. Which is funny. I was going to say, cause I, when it comes to cooking specifically, I like need rules that I can follow to a tea or I'm like too nervous to be in the kitchen. Really? Yeah. That is so funny. Wow. I'm like the complete opposite, except for baking. I've tried to learn how to bake, but baking is like, whew, you can't be. Oh yeah. You got to stick to the, you got to stick to what's, what's on there for sure. Big time. It's like chemical reactions, right? Like you can't, mm-hmm. you can't be fucking around with that. Okay. <laughs> Back to my lovely Sid. One of the most notable artists that off the top of my head, having followed your career as a friend that you write about pretty consistently is Madonna. Tell me about your relationship with Madonna and how that's come to be. Sure, yeah, we had just touched on Madonna for the very first time. Um, And now for the second time, not a great joke, but that's okay. I like (laughs) just sort of one of those people that was like always there growing up. I wasn't particularly interested in her beyond like knowing all the big singles that came out like when I was when we were both kids like you know hung up and four minutes and um that kind of thing but then it was like a few years ago I guess parallel to me developing a sort of like scholarly professional interest in in music videos that I realized how important um a piece she was, I guess, of music video history because there are so many artists that like stand on her shoulders or that um, put their work in like conversation with hers. And 
I, you know, approached it from the beginning as like something that I was going to need to do, like out of obligation. It was go through all of Madonna's work from beginning to end. And in the end, I got like Madonna pilled. So it was not supposed to be like, you know, not necessarily supposed to be that I picked up a new like obsession. Um, Cause there's lots of artists whose work I've like gone through that I've been like, okay, cool. But I haven't felt the need to like revisit all the time or anything, anything beyond that. But in her case, I was like, all right, well, I'm in this now, like I'm involved now probably for life and that's my cross to bear. So, but the big, the big constants historically are like Beyonce, Lady Gaga. Um, I, I, you know, a couple years back, I was doing a lot of like Lana Del Rey related stuff. Um, it's really just like the people that have the biggest like music video cultural imprint that's where I that's what I gravitate towards because I, I really don't think of myself as like a music critic so much as like a film critic that sometimes likes to look at like a four minute text yeah as opposed to like a two hour one so well speaking of like Lady Gaga Beyonce their music video telephone is like 10 minutes long it is yeah um and so just on like the topic of that, it was the director of that video, Jonas Ockerlund, who I like wrote my master's thesis about. And it was sort of an excuse because um, I really just wanted to find a way to like spend the whole summer with Madonna, Lady Gaga and Beyonce. And they are three of his most like frequent clients. So it was great. That's, but telephone was a really big part of my, of my master's thesis, which is funny. Oh, that is funny. I do remember you writing something about it a little bit ago. So that probably falls under the same umbrella. Um, what was the Definitely. director's name? Uh, Jonas Ockerlund. Um, I can give you examples if you want, but um, Telephone is a really good good example of that. Well, yeah, Telephone, big deal when we were in high school. He's also worked on stuff like Lemonade uh, with Beyonce, like the hold up sequence where she's like smashing all the cars in the yellow dress. Like that's him. Um, uh, anything from like Beyonce's self-titled album in 2013, um, a lot of Madonna stuff. So that's sort of like a separate, separate leg. But yeah, that's funny. You said that scene because that's uh, in Lemonade because that's literally the scene I think of when I think of Lemonade. <laughs> I don't know why if it's like the bright colors or just the drama of it all. Like when I it's like oh so down you know love me like I love you. I won't sing on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> sing Beyonce on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I don't know if he does it intentionally, but he just happens to be associated with all of these really like, um, I guess like impressing on the brain kind of moments, like especially ones that were really formative to me being in high school, really formative to me being like doing my undergrad. Um, but yeah, for the last like almost 30 years, I guess he's been a mainstay in in music video culture. And now he's trying to get more into like features and television exclusively so he's doing a lot of like Netflix Netflix jobs he's like making something right now with um Bill Skarsgård and um he's doing the like Midas Man biopic which is the um Beatles manager movie oh that's cool the name is escaping me right now I think Brian Epstein is his name but yeah so he's, he's up to like lots of stuff I feel like you and him are friends we have talked twice on the phone, actually. What? Really? Which has been very cool. Yeah, because um, I spoke to him in order to do my thesis, like under the guise of needing extra research. Um, and he said yes, which was so cool and weird. But um, 
I, so the first time was like the summer of 2020, I spoke to him. And then I spoke to him again in uh, this past February because a video was turning 10 and she's another person that I write about quite a bit. And I reached out because I figured like the, what's the worst that could happen is he says no. And he was like, yeah, sure. I'll talk to you about that video turning 10. Um, and that was like the hold it against me video from, from 2011. Oh my God. That's so cool. I'm like thrilled for you. And I don't even really know yeah. this guy. At all. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, he's cool. Everyone should, everyone should look him up. I think he and his wife are like really big. You've seen their work. Um, she like is a stylist who does all this, you know, like the yellow dress from hold up. Like she's behind that. Um, yeah. Definitely two names, two names worth knowing, I would say. Definitely. Yeah. So you talked about your background, like your bachelor's degree being in film, as well as your master's degree. What actually like sparked this major interest into music video versus critiquing film in general? That's a really good question. Like I growing up was always a super into film person. And then simultaneously, I was also super into music videos. But, um, you know, when you're like a kid and a teenager, you're not thinking about that in like a critical the time I got to my undergrad I was doing a film degree and then I would go home and unwind with like Beyonce videos um and it started to occur to me that there was a lot of stuff I was learning about in my film classes that applied equally to the music video world um and so that was a realization like I had to have and then you know once you actually start to do the research you realize there's like lots and lots of music video scholars out there who are just like um, you know, media quote unquote scholars, which means they're looking at like all different kinds of things. Um, and so around the same time that I was starting to do real honey stuff, I was thinking about like wanting to write criticism for the internet. And one of the things that I could already talk about at length was music video related stuff, especially related to certain artists that I already spent a lot of time with. Um, and then it took until maybe late 2018 to put together a sort of like master's research proposal um, where I would be applying to do another film degree, but where I was gonna be like focusing on the music video stuff. Cause you know, there's like lots of different kinds of master's students um, in cinema studies. There's like, you know, the David Fincher person and the Fellini person. And I was like, yeah, I kind of want to just like look at the pop stars and like the different kind of um like visual uh, legacies that they build that's one way of putting it so yeah fast forward to now and I, I kind of write about both things in equal measure but I also write about a lot of stuff that's like halfway between the two worlds so if there's like a pop star documentary or um maybe like a feature length music video visual album like something like Lemonade or what Halsey just put out or what Casey Musgraves just put out I'd be like your girl that would that would review that for your site I love the Casey Musgraves new album can I hear your thoughts on it wait take a sip of your mojito and then tell me your thoughts I will I will have you seen the film I haven't watched it yet is it on where can I watch it it's I think only on Paramount Plus which I figured that I would get 
for a couple months because that's also where like this upcoming Madonna concert film is going to be going so I can cancel that later if I don't need it (laughs) but um yeah basically so she's she's been through a divorce and it's you know a divorce from the same man that like golden hour was written about oh my um, god yes I could talk about this for hours I literally was telling my boyfriend (laughs) about it I was like golden hour won all these awards and it was about her falling in love with this guy and now this is her and their divorce twin flames that's what they were yeah so I golden hour was an album that I like listened to enjoyed I I'd be lying if I said that it was like as big a deal for me as it was for some other people but either way I was like yeah like I I'm not um the only real like country artists I ever find myself listening to are the ones that do sort of like pop crossover stuff so that was an album where she sort of like was a lot more pop friendly than anything she had done prior to that so that's why I actually the first time I heard of her at all was Golden Hour. Um, And then especially after she won Album of the Year, I was like really interested to hear it. But it wasn't until recently when she announced Starcrossed, but specifically that she'd be doing like an hour long film for Starcrossed that I was like, okay, I think I'll like check this out because I'm like the one, I'm like looking at like visual albums and feature length music videos. And like, this is very much my jam. So, yeah, I watched it and I'm, I'm trying to maybe put some thoughts together for like a newsletter installment because that's that's the other thing is that I like a lot of my writing goes to this this newsletter that I have written for like a year and a bit. Um, What's the newsletter? But it's cool. It's like very. So my newsletter is called uh, Mononym Mythology. It's totally free and it's where I send a lot of my like pop star music video thoughts um, that I don't have like an editor working with me on and publishing elsewhere. Um, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so this like KC Musgraves project is really interesting because it's like largely modeled after Romeo and Juliet, but especially the like Leo DiCaprio Romeo and Juliet because it's such a like important millennial touch um, touchstone, right? Yeah, like the one with Claire Danes in him. Yeah, because um, like Starcrossed, I've been like really deep in this album this week in case it was <laughs> unclear, but like um, Starcrossed like comes from the, the prologue to Romeo and Juliet where like we know up front that like two Starcrossed lovers are going to take their lives. Like it's not going to work out. So, so Casey Musgraves is obviously like making a divorce album where that's the opening track is like, I'm going to tell you upfront how this story ends. And I'm going to like model this whole thing after like, you know, a Shakespearean tragedy and that kind of thing. I love that so much. I mean, I did know that Starcross came from Romeo and Juliet, but it's like so colloquial now that like hearing it, I was like, oh, okay, I understand the definition. I'm so curious to watch this movie now or the, the video. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the like um critical response I guess to the album itself has been maybe less positive on the whole than than the golden hour one but there's something about this album that I find a lot more like interesting I guess in terms of the um like different like the range of emotions and like um there's a way more like cinematic sound I guess to a lot of it and um yeah I mean, one of the things like I learned sort of recently about them as a couple is like they got engaged after like seven months. 
Yeah. So, you know, golden hour and that's sort of what golden hour was about was like falling in love in this like whirlwind romance with your husband. Um, but of course, like they weren't not like that. I have, I judge at all, but like the relationship wasn't like a long one. So when she announced her divorce, I was like, oh yeah, well, I guess that's like, you know, pretty common for like celebrities. It's hard to be married when you're a celebrity. Um, but there's like lyrics in, in um, Starcross where I was thinking like, wow, it really sounds like they like don't, they didn't know each other at all before they got married. And when I like went on Wikipedia, that turned out to be like pretty true. It was short. And like, I don't know if you um, saw, if you follow her on Instagram or anything, but she posted she was on Vogue, I believe, and she posted this photo of her on Vogue, and she's wearing like a leotard, so her legs look so long, and she captioned it, legs longer than my marriage, because she was married for like a year and a half. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember like, that, actually. That was you, like earlier. Yeah, um, like at least she can laugh about it, um, yeah. but yeah, I remember that. That was from like earlier in the year, maybe in like the spring. Yeah, before she announced the album was being released. But she was like kind of talk. Right. She like touched on it as if she was going to release something because she was like, I don't know anyone, any explanation. But like as a creator, I have to create and like this is what it is <laughs> like going through a divorce. And yeah. it sucks. Yeah. yeah, I think like um, one of the things I've been thinking about in response to some of the like mixed critical reception on the album was like okay but she was gonna have to do this first before she does anything else like she's gonna have to just on a like personal level get this out of the way otherwise there's no even like on her from a personal branding perspective like there's no way narratively to move forward for her fans if she doesn't address it oh 100 Um, percent. yeah especially because golden hour was so publicly dedicated to that previous Mm -hmm. relationship like at the grammys when she accepted the album of the year for this like terrific body of work she was like it's for you to her husband <laughs> yeah and he was like sitting beside her and you know how there was like a meme that came out of that evening where she has this sort of like eye twitch going where she's like what when she won and he's like I, sitting there and so he's like implicated in the whole thing right like yeah. it's really hard probably like on an artistic level to move past that yeah and be separate entities like because yeah. like you said, she gained a lot of fame. Like I knew about her because I love country music and I listen to like some of her older stuff because that's just like my thing. But like she did reach a huge new audience with Golden Hour. And so like mm-hmm. all of these fans were like to us, Casey Musgrave is married and in love. And like that's that's almost like the one dimensional um, like persona she presented throughout that whole album so to your point like moving on for her fans it was pretty critical to address exactly what went on (laughs) and where she's going more or less yeah definitely I did listen to her like whole discography actually like in the last two weeks um because I like to like have the narrative leading up to a new album like I want to hear like where it falls like sonically and whatever in in their story so like if I have time to do that I will for sure do that every time um, and so like that's like the sort of thing that I would do like for Madonna is like I go through all of it you know I've done that with like probably a dozen artists at this point just because it's the easiest way to like get someone and like get what it is that makes their music like appeal to somebody else and so um 
yeah, I try if I can not to like write about anyone that I don't feel like I could have, you know, a conversation like this about. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, if I can't hold a conversation like this about the artist, like what do I have that's of value to say about them? Um, So, yeah, I think I think maybe like by the end of the week, if I can, I'm going to try and like write something up about Starcrossed and send it out and just, you know, because it'll it'll like bounce around in my head until I do that. I feel like you're almost being too hard on yourself in terms of like knowing so much about the artist before you can like offer a valued opinion. But I do respect like doing the due diligence. Like that's very important. But I think it's probably like an ingrained thing in me because of like stands, um, especially yeah. like someone that does most of the like promoting of their work on Twitter. Like, you want to make sure if you're going to make any kind of like slightly inflammatory argument that you know what you're talking about so that yeah. you're not going to get like death threats for no reason from like, you know, somebody with a Lady Gaga profile picture whose, you know, Twitter handle is like little monster 69, whatever. Like <laughs> I don't need to be, I don't need to like get, you know, emails that are really mean um, because I didn't do my research I really yeah. would just rather go in like with more info than I need I guess oh yeah big time that makes a lot of sense speaking of sassy people on Twitter can we address what happened to you earlier in the week <laughs> on your Twitter oh yes I yeah I really sure. thought it was so fucking funny but anyway <laughs> I want you to tell the story <laughs> because um all right, so let me back up a bit. I guess the gist of it is that I, so Lil Nas X has released a new video. The name is sort of escaping me of the song, but um, it's very like loudly queer. And in a way that when I watched it, like with, with like my understanding of music video history, I was like, wow, this is so great that like he can do this now. Like, you know, it's not the MTV era anymore. It's the YouTube era, which means you can show like, you know, um Rada can like show her boobs in the blurred lines video like this is a totally new era of music videos than like anything you know Madonna in her 30s was was dealing with um so I think I said something on Twitter like as basic and you know non-aggressive as just like it's so great that Lil Nas X is able to do this like as an artist who's you know, a Grammy winner, top of the charts, mainstream, because there's, you know, there's always lots of like alternative artists um, doing like interesting, innovative things all the time, but it like says something about culture and um, and whatnot that like he as somebody like at the top of his, at the top of his, um, I won't say top of his game, but like huge artists can just like put out something that's like very unabashedly gay. Um, especially like coming from like a sort of rap hip hop space and the tweet started to do numbers and then some guy was like ever heard of David Bowie and he meant it in a like asshole way like he's I don't know he like sees that I'm like a 20 something woman he's like oh this this idiot like has no idea that other artists paved the way for Lil Nas X blah 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 um and that argument I was like all right I'm gonna shut this down with like an intelligent response because like whatever I have one I was like you know David Bowie was censored like all of the time coming up um in like the 70s 80s 
And even as recently as like 2013, YouTube took a video of his off of the site. Um, and then he goes like, ever heard of Madonna? And I kind of had two options. I could like do another Bowie like answer where I hit him with like a bit of research, um, but I just was like not in the mood. So I was like, no, um, sarcastically, of course, because like, yes, I have heard of Madonna. I'm like, you know, if you want to be literal about it, like a Madonna scholar. Um, so, and of course, like you can see on the tweet that like my friends started to like my response because they know that I, I have, of course, heard about Madonna, but he just like, it didn't occur to him that like, it was a stupid question to ask me very much have I've not only like heard of Madonna, but I've like written thousands and thousands of publicly available words on Madonna. I've written a master's thesis that was like largely about Madonna, et cetera. But like this guy was a stranger engaging with me because I don't know, he's just like felt the need. Um, and he's like, well, you need to like do your research, know the history, like very unnecessarily aggressive for two strangers talking to each other on Twitter. So I was like, okay, like, you know, you got me there. Like, where would you suggest that I go for like a crash course in Madonna? And he never at any point, like it never at any point occurred to him that I'm being like completely sarcastic. I don't need the crash course, et cetera. Um, so he like listed off a bunch of videos for me, like iconic things that she's done that I happen to have published work about. <laughs> Again, like publicly available, very easy to Google me and just like it, I kept thinking to myself, like if he at any point just Googled me or like read, even read my Twitter bio or like something like did any kind of due diligence. research into whether due diligence into like whether I know what I'm talking about, we would not be having this conversation. But, you know, I actually like I'm pretty lucky on Twitter in terms of like having those sorts of moments not happen to me often but I was just in a sort of mood where I was like you know what I'm not gonna like hit him with a real fact-based argument because he's not I don't think he like has shown me any <laughs> any um baseline level of respect to deserve it I suppose yeah and like but when yeah. it's like he doesn't he just wants to argue with you he's not actually yeah. interested in like if you're like oh I actually have public work like published work about all of these things that you just mentioned you'd be like yeah. oh, it's not enough like you clearly don't know oh yeah this is like this guy had like you know 15 followers an anonymous username anonymous profile picture like completely different you know reason that he has yeah. twitter versus me having twitter like it's whatever but yeah um, well good for you fuck that guy <laughs> we can swear on the podcast you. also <laughs> Yes. I did think it was really funny though. And Sydney posted it on her Instagram story and I was sitting with my boy, my boyfriend and I was like showing him and he's like, I don't get it. And I was like, Sydney's written so much about Madonna. That's the point. (laughs) I was like, this is so funny. This guy's just like mansplaining for lack of a better term. Yeah. Like it's funny. Um, it was just like a textbook example of that. Like it's, you almost want to be like, are you really being that obvious and on the nose like you don't want to be creative at all with it you're really just going to do like an urban dictionary definition of mansplaining like it's so stupid literally Um, I have a question about your Twitter you promote a lot of your work that way 
Yes. What is the craziest Twitter interaction or like most exciting Twitter interaction you've had from either someone you've written about or someone responding to engage with you about something you've written about? Yeah, no, I've been, I've never had anyone high profile respond to something I've written, but I've, I've had a lot of like weird, um, it's mostly like stands that ever like caused me any grief on, on Twitter. And like, I can, the most recent, like funny example was strange because I didn't say anything about, so recently like the VMAs happened and the VMAs have been fan voted since 2006. It was like a thing that MTV did to try and like fix a ratings slump. Um, But, you know, ultimately like it's bad in an artistic sense that like who wins a video music award at the end of the day comes down to like who has the most um it's not even biggest fan base it's actually just like who can mobilize their their fans to like vote for you on the mtv website and that tends to be like you know teenagers as opposed to like 40 year old people with jobs and um that kind of thing and i put i sent out like a very vague thought into the twitter sphere along the lines of like um exactly what I just said like you know the VMAs mean something very different now versus in like 1987 uh that fan voting is a thing because like this is what the VMAs are about now it's not like that you really had video of the year it's that your your fans like have hours and hours every day to like sit around and vote on their computers like very basic I wasn't like thinking of a specific artist when I said this I wasn't thinking of a specific group of fans when I said this but for some reason it was interpreted as having been about uh BTS the k-pop group um which it it hadn't been like I actually I believe what I said about anybody like I believe that you know if Beyonce wins a fan voted VMA I'm like oh good for her but like it's still fan voted it doesn't mean anything about whether you had a good video yeah it's not Um, the artistic um, uh, criticism yeah, so, but um, for some reason, like, one, I guess, bigger BTS stan account on Twitter decided that my tweet was about the group, which it was not, but, you know, like, whatever. Um, and in, like, within maybe five to ten minutes, maybe even, like, eight minutes, I had to lock my Twitter account because I'd gotten this, like, weird, very mobilized swarm of people just like showing up in my in my twitter notifications and even in the like a span as short as that I got called like (laughs) multiple you know not like abusive things but like funny mean names that are kind of like I can laugh about now but it was one of those things where like if I had been two minutes slower to um respond to it at all or like to lock my account it could have been like an uglier evening I had to be private on Twitter for like 48 hours or something um because even like when you do go private they're like oh Sydney Urbanek like you can't take it like you can't you can't fight back like whatever coward that kind of thing that was a a recent example but that is so hectic all the time and like it's very weird and like I've I've sort of made the conscious choice and like this is my bad for writing about people that have like pretty rabid fan bases and so that's that's like my again like my cross to bear um 
and it's another reason why like I try not to say anything unless I like know what I'm talking about I've considered all of the like counterpoints I've um I can argue yeah. with somebody if like I if if need be that kind of thing um but for the most part like I've actually been pretty lucky like I have there I have music journalist friends who've been like subject to like weeks long harassment campaigns from like you know Taylor Swift fans and Ariana Grande fans and like I've never I can't claim to have experienced anything like that um but you know occasionally you still get the like weird um dramatic fans aggressive response <laughs> yeah from the yeah. from the stan account which is not what you it's want. very complicated too because it like no it's not and like it's bad for music writers like it's it makes the environment like of your audience environment it turns it into like a place that like is you're always at risk of being yelled at when you know it, it would be better if everyone were like you know music critics are open to having their work like responded to disagreed with it's just that there's a difference between that and people being like I hate on principle that you dared to say anything even remotely negative about like this person who has no idea who I am, but who I've like decided to make my life about, even though I'm like 13 and they have no idea who I am, but I'm going to send you a death threat even though I'm 13, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's complicated. Honestly, but bullying, like bullying you. It's, it is bullying. And it, it's funny because like I can make jokes about them being teenagers but at the end of the day like it is influencing the way that like people are constructing arguments and stuff um in big publications like everyone is concerned about the like the blowback basically which is not how like good writing gets written yeah absolutely it's like the it, it's like a form of censor censoring which isn't fair it is, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. But yeah. <laughs> that was a big topic to contemplate on this podcast. I need some more of my mojito. Is there anything else you want to pitch, like, as we chat casually for a second, uh, in terms of, like, promoting? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think so. I mean, like, if you are interested in me slash my work at all, um, everything I ever post that's important, I post on Twitter related to professional stuff so if you wanted to follow me there you'll get like um the link to like my newsletter and that's sort of the main thing that I'm trying to like grow I would say like that's the the passion project that for the time being doesn't make me like a single cent but which I am really proud of and I'm like a, a you know I want to like 14 15 months into that at this Wicked. point and I have some like thank you I have some like big projects that I'm going to send there so if you're interested in following that, um, interested in like writing in your email about like pop video culture and like a lot of pop stars, um, you can find that at sidurbanac.ghost.io, which, you know, that link is also, again, on my Twitter page. So you don't have to have remembered it, but that is indeed how to find me. I think you can probably Google the title too, which is like yeah. mononym mythology but in general I'm like pretty pretty easy to find on the internet very online person to a fault say amazing I will also be sharing how to find Sid 
on my Instagram for the podcast, which is cocktails and contemplation. Um, is your uh, Instagram public or is that your own thing? It is public. Yeah. It's, okay. um, I've sort of lost all sense of having like a private <laughs> life at this point. So for the time I being, yes, it. very public Instagram. Um, so yeah, if you want to read my work and know all of my immediate family names, there's one account <laughs> you can go to for that. <laughs> you should post more. I should probably um... rethink that. No, keep posting your like family home videos of you and Jamie as children. They're so fucking funny. Oh, I should get into those again. Those are Um. so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Moving. There is a final segment of the podcast. Okay. It's called Wed Bed Behead. Okay. I have a feeling I'll be good at this. (laughs) I think you will too. And I usually tailor make it to kind of the guest, depending who it is. So I was thinking, wait a second. Are you the person that I used to talk about Henry VIII with in high school? (laughs) Is that what is he who inspired this? No, you did not. I just might bring together on your own short circuited there, but in a good way. No, I remember that because I was like, wait, there was someone I used to, like when I got into the tutors, there was someone I used to talk to all the time about the tutors and it was you. It's me. It's me. That's so funny. This, you know what, do you like spontaneously, I'll see a tutors meme and I'll send it to you. Like, yeah, I, I've done that. Like not a lot of times. So I was like, I'm like, I think soon we get a kick out of this. Yeah, no. I don't yeah I didn't mean to interrupt you but I had to I had to ask it is you know what honestly in my very first episode I explained that and my guest who was on did not know anything about King Henry VIII and I was like okay well my son is lost on you but it's funny yeah so it's fuck Mary kill but wed bed behead because that's got it that's the story of (laughs) the rise of uh King H um that is so fucking funny I literally remember I never watched the tutors but I knew a lot about them and you were when we were on the bus home from Ottawa you were like you have to watch this and I was like this is so boring because the pilot episode is just like information yeah yeah I was like can we skip this one politics and you were like no we can't skip this (laughs) I like how you put it as information yeah it's like all political and then like occasionally like a you know yeah crazy sex scene but I was um, like, I want to know about Anne Boleyn. I love her. I've always had a weird love for Anne Boleyn. And Natalie Dormer plays her mm-hmm. in The Tudors. And then when she was in Game of Thrones, yeah. after she like um, got quite a bit more well-known following her role as Marjorie Tyrell, if you don't know who I'm talking about, a lot of people started telling me that I look like her. I get it, like, oh. not crazy amounts, but definitely a lot. And like in my life, I've gotten it like upwards of 20 times from like random people. Oh, you know what? I see it. I know like where they're coming from. I also think it's like, that's a, you know, a compliment to be compared to Natalie Dormer in like any way. Yes. Yes. Um, I agree. Yeah. I think that I don't really see it, but I think I'd, I think I do something like when I'm talking or, or I like turn my head or something in a way that she does. And like, I'm never going to be able to see that unless I'm like being filmed because when you look in the mirror, like you don't look at yourself as if you're like having a casual conversation with someone, you know, like, right. You like style your eyebrows and then you leave. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah. laughs> but anyway, after it's I got that, that yeah. after I started getting that, I was like another weird connection between me and Anne, but like, not really. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, <laughs> I am so thrilled that you picked that up. So have you picked the people that I'm supposed to I have either, I know, have like deal some, with? I have some in my mind. So okay. we can look at it as a literal sex thing if you want. Okay. Like which is fine. Yeah. Or you can mm-hmm. look at it as like a artist standpoint, like uh, that's the work. I don't know how that would work with bed, but you, you can make a decision. We're also, um, okay. we are very inclusive on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So my first one I, that came to mind was Madonna, of course, mm-hmm. Beyonce and Lady Gaga, because they're Ooh. like your trifecta. And I thought it would be fun to watch you suffer. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'll do it too. That's really, that's really, uh, that's mean. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's really mean. Because there's no easy, um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I know my answer already, but I will have to like add the sort of fine print that I don't, you know. Oh, <laughs> <Give us laughs> the answer. So awful. You're allowed to advocate for why you chose. Yeah, so here's what. the thing: I could like I can rank them in terms of like importance to me in my life. You know what I mean? But it's not that I want the last one to die. <laughs> okay, right. I'm dying um, to hear the answer. Well, okay. So what I'll do is I'll give you, I'll tell you like the ranking of them. So because you've given me the worst possible options to have to sort through. Um, I would say, so bed, I would put Madonna. Wed, I would put Beyonce. But like, what is my, what is my criteria? This is the problem. (laughs) This is is the problem. You gave me, you basically like just listed my three favorite artists of all time. So like, I don't really even the third one like I don't ever want anything bad to happen to you know what I mean um the vagueness is part of what makes wed bed behead it's it's the... I mean because if you if you gave me like even two of those women and then like a third throwaway it would be the easiest answer in the world oh um, I know okay so Lady Gaga's dead you murdered her <gasps> okay but it's your fault not mine <laughs> it's true it's true We'll just put her in like, I could do them like, you know, I could do them so many, you know, some of those women, like, you know, one of those women doesn't sing as well as the other two. And one of those women doesn't write songs as well as the other two. And like, it's a different woman each time, you know, like Mm. there's different, you've, I'm going to have like, I'm going to wake up in a cold sweat tonight because you asked me that question. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll make a, I'll do a little bit easier one. I'll do in the end. I want to bed all three so it's like what and isn't wed better than bed or is bed the ultimate one I think it's not so much the ranking as it is like what you want them for (laughs) what you would like to do with them and then you know yeah you know in this scenario you are king henry the eighth so you can do whatever you want with them well I would marry and spend time with all three of them that's good um I would not kill I would not behead any of them (laughs) <laughs> you could hire someone to behead them you don't have to actually do the beheading hmm. Hmm. <laughs> okay I'll give you another one to maybe help you sleep also for okay. the record I would marry Lady Gaga I love her 
the pro yeah the problem with this question is that I like love Lady Gaga it's just yeah. that like she's probably third most important to me like as a person I guess yeah um, so like you're thinking about her as an individual her worth as a human yeah well, I don't want to kill her oh my god <laughs> no, no. question <laughs> okay okay I'll alleviate the stress a little bit for you okay okay, okay. uh let's go I'm trying to think of okay Freddie Mercury David Bowie and Elton John <laughs> okay so again three <laughs> artists that I like a lot but I can answer this one a bit better okay um okay so I would wed David Bowie good choice good choice I would bed Freddie Mercury behead Elton John I'm not gonna say it <laughs> I'm not gonna say that either <laughs> okay I but yeah I answered that one that was good I mean all six of these people I would do you know I would I love all six of these people so that's a very it's a very difficult question okay do you want me to give you like a completely different one no I think I, I think you've caused me enough emotional <laughs> turmoil for one okay for one year Okay, I won't I won't torture you anymore. Um, for the record, I would probably bed Bowie, marry Freddie. Okay. Oh, which I guess is I fair. have to kill Elton John. This is hmm. the problem. See, it you is just a, it is, this is it, the flaw. Well, the game is it's not supposed to be fun. The game is supposed to be torturous. Like it's supposed to make everyone uncomfortable, including the listeners. <laughs> we just torture people. Is that why podcast. most people play that game? <laughs> um yeah I guess I, I guess I'd kill Elton John but I should have done it like whose music do you have to delete from your life like bad you can um that would have been a... way more you know fair and easy on the soul etc <laughs> um you are welcome to ask me one of those okay uh if you bed someone you can listen to it once a year wed you have to it's like you can listen whenever it's there always and behead is nada no more okay okay, okay. i can do this okay okay um why don't we do the original three gaga madonna beyonce okay this might be like a very weird surprising answer to people but the music that i don't need to listen to ever again is probably beyonce's i know that's weird but it's like not why it's like i don't listen to beyonce for her music i know that sounds really really stupid but it's like the it's everything else that like does it for me about her and the music is sort of like a bonus. I also like, I know it well enough in my head that I don't need to listen to it again. I can like, I can sing all the instruments. <laughs> like so the forever one I think would be Madonna and then the once the year one would be Lady Gaga. I think I have the exact same answer as you. Except for when I'm in the mood to listen to the fame, it's all I want to <laughs> listen to. So it's true it's true like this is the thing this is the thing they're all fantastic I like don't want to never listen to Beyonce's music again it's just that like on a maybe like day by day basis it's probably Madonna's that I seek out the most yeah I think like the average person has not heard you know a lot of people don't know anything that she's done since like 1990 when she did Vogue like most yeah. uh, the average person is not like keeping up with Madonna's music even though like it got like some of the best stuff she's ever done happened like post her being you know the 20-something MTV star so yeah 
if you ever have time, you should just catch up on all of it. And it's very like sort of a fascinating um, discography because it's like funny and emotional and catchy and sometimes very sad. And like, there's a whole, it just like runs the whole gamut basically. She is a remarkably multi multifaceted um, artist. And Definitely, yeah. Like she is, to your point, I mean, I feel like a lot of people kind of stop at like sex icon for her, but she's like so much more than that. And like to your point about sad and funny, like absolutely. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of like, I mean, this is something that I've like written about and like it's whatever, um, but she's someone who's like, one of the most interesting like through lines in her work is actually like mortality um, and like immortality because she wants to like live forever figuratively speaking because like her mother died when she was a kid and she lost a lot of friends to AIDS and like um, no marriage has ever worked out etc cetera, etc cetera. so like there's a really interesting theme of loss like that runs through you know in addition to the like through line of like dancing and having fun they kind of like sit beside one another. Yeah. Well, if anyone wants to read your stuff about Madonna, is there a place they can find it? Um, in terms of like the most one-stop shoppy place, you would probably want to like Google my name and hers together. But I do write about her not infrequently on the newsletter. So that's a good, a good place to go, I would say. Amazing. The rum is starting to sort of like weasel its way into my brain. So I think I'll just leave it. <laughs> that's what, that's the best part. That's like when we get into the nitty gritty on the podcast. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people make a second drink while we're doing the recording. And I love that's it. That's funny. My kitchen's too far away, but otherwise I would have for sure. I, I'm probably gonna make another one when I watch Bachelor in Paradise later tonight. <gasps> yeah, for sure. Well, sure. thank you so much for coming on the show. How did you like the mojito? Delicious delicious and very effective um but I'm probably gonna go make another one so take that as take that however you will amazing did you get did you use any of the tonics in this one um not in this one this one is entirely club soda but I think maybe in the next one I'm gonna use one of the tonics because I like the colors The pink tonic, I talk about this a lot on my podcast, I is like my favorite one. It's like the rose and cucumber one. So probably I'll probably cut this out because the listeners are like, yeah, no, you had it, stuff, you love it. Um, it's really good with gin. Okay. Um, and also the grapefruit. I have a Paloma recipe with the, I don't know if you like tequila. Ooh. And that is so good. Like I'm not the biggest tequila fan, but this Paloma is like so yummy with the tonic. Cool. Um, and I also do with the Indian tonic in this one, I did a sonic, like I did half and half. But anyway, if any of my wonderful listeners want to get their hands on some of the tonic, you can definitely check out Fitch and Leads either through my Instagram because I'm always posting about them and you can find them there pretty easily. Or you can go to fitchleads.com and I have a promo co- code, which is cocktails25 and you get 25% off any order. If you're in the GTA also, it's free shipping. Um and so why why don't you get it (laughs) and thank you so much to Fitch and Leeds for sending us both some wonderful cocktails and uh cocktail kits I should say you never fail to disappoint they're so beautiful and thank you to Sydney for coming on the show this wonderful evening 
and <laughs> thank you for having me it's been uh, so fun yeah it has been fun and always nice to catch up and to everyone listening always remember to drink and contemplate responsibly bye